regular truths. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 58. We're going to be discussing number 14 of the original mystery stories, The Whispering Statue. Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew? I learned that from the Nancy Drew detective. Okay, go. You think you can follow the clues and solve the case of the missing condiment, Nancy Drew? Because I've read every Nancy Drew mystery ever written. Nancy, please tell me you're joking. Wow, you suck at this Nancy Drew stuff. You should get a new hobby. My name is Carson Drew, and this is my assistant, Nancy. It's curtains for you, Miss Drew. Nancy. Nancy Drew strikes again. A regular Nancy Drew. This one was so wild. It was pretty wild. (laughs) It was so bizarre. It was. I thought it was really fun, though. Yeah. Yeah. It set aside the fact that the whispering statue is like the least interesting part of this. (laughs) And some of the things that Nancy does in the course of her investigation are absolutely absurd. I couldn't put it down, though. Yeah. I mean, even despite the weirdness of it, I thought it was really exciting. The the pacing was really good for it. And I laughed out loud multiple times when I read this, mostly just because it was ridiculous. Like some of these situations were just so ridiculous. Yes. Um, But that's so fun. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I love a good art heist as well. Yeah. I mean, this is tangential to an art heist, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sort of. (laughs) Definitely. Um, So this one was originally published in 1937 and then revised in 1970. And apparently this revision is very different. um, Yes, this is one of the ones that is like not at all the same story. So I only read the revised with this one. Um, Although I will say I have heard that the original of this is the first time that we ever meet Togo, that there's a scene where Nancy rescues a little terrier and then adopts him as her own. And that's that's our Togo. Okay. Well, Togo is is kind of in this one too, isn't he? Very briefly. Yeah. Very briefly. I think they just mentioned yeah, that he's yeah, like yeah. sitting on Nancy's lap while she's, you know, mulling yeah, over the mystery. Thinking, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's all I really know about the original, other than that it's just completely different from from this version that we've read. Okay, we'll have to make a note to to revisit that in yes. the future then. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about the cover of this one? Absolutely. I don't know why. I just find it kind of a boring cover. When I look at it, I'm like not excited. Yeah, so there's, I think, three versions of this cover from what I could find. 1937 Russell Tandy one, and then a 1962 Rudy Nappy cover, and then a 1970 updated Rudy Nappy cover. Really? I've I've only seen two covers. But yeah, but I've only been able to find two. Hmm. Um, But that's what I read on Wikipedia, I believe. Let me look it up one more time. So, according to, like, Wikipedia, Wikipedia, not the Nancy Wikipedia, but legit Wikipedia, it says, The original 1937 cover art is by Russell H. Tandy and shows Nancy crouched behind a statue speaking to a man. Rudy Nappy illustrated the same scene for the 1962 picture cover edition with updated clothing and hairstyles. Nappy also illustrated the cover of the 1970 edition, which is predominantly blue and white, featuring Nancy's profile behind an overlay of a statue. So, unless I'm misunderstanding... 
what they mean by Rudy Nappy illustrated the same scene for the 1962 picture cover edition. I don't know. What, I don't know what that means. So maybe there isn't a third cover. Maybe that's like a illustration. Oh no, there is. It? Okay, there is. He did. You're right. Look at this. Okay, um, it's it's the exact same scene. It's the only difference is like Nancy's arm is angled a little bit. Okay, and so you can tell, and like the bad guy's facing the other way. Um, okay. But other, otherwise, okay. it is the same image. He's just literally just okay. redrawn it. So, gotcha. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I did not know so, that one. Yeah. That's fun. Um, but yeah, so I have the, obviously the 1970, um, cover and it's just, yeah, Nancy's face behind like this, yeah, the whispering statue next to this tree and like blue. And I don't know, it's just, it's not super compelling to me. Not very exciting. Not very exciting. Um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that Nancy's face is, is in the background and the way that it like it looks like her neck is like coming out of this tree and it just makes <laughs> it makes it look very surreal. Like her face That's is true. like she's giant, like she's a giant person. Um and her neck is craned kind of her awkwardly. neck, Yeah. And also like the statue's not very cute looking. I don't know. Even though it's supposed to be Nancy, whatever. Yeah. The coolest part of it is the tree. The tree is dope. Yeah. Um, the tree is dope, but but Nancy and the statue I find lacking. Um, I would have rather had like Nancy looking at the statue, which I guess is kind of the intention of this, is so that you can see Nancy looking at the statue, but it looks more like she's looking around it than at it. And right. I don't know. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd. But but yeah. Some of the interior illustrations in this one are excellent, though, especially the one with the uh, painting, because mm-hmm. it really uh, literally illustrates how ridiculous that scene is. The ones with them all in the three different frames. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Because you can't you can't imagine that scene better than this oh, illustration no. shows it. It's no. great. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. OK, we got to talk about that because that is one of, literally one of the best parts of the book. So Although, funny. I will say. Which one is supposed to be Nancy and which is supposed to be George with the dark hair? Because Nancy's supposed to be wearing her incognito wig in this one. Oh, you're right. Ooh, that's a mess up because Mm -hmm. definitely Nancy's in front. like, And then George and the best behind her. And then George and best behind her. But yeah, you're right. Nancy's supposed to have a wig on. Ooh. Yes. And then if you look at the next illustration in the book, she does have the wig on. So. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Continuity errors. Mm-hmm. Unless for some reason <laughs> she took it off during that scene, but that was the whole point of the scene was that she was undercover yeah. at that moment. Yeah, I don't Whatever. Think so. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so three words to yes. describe this one. Yachting. It's gotta be art. Oh, oh art, sorry, what yes. did you say? <laughs> yachting. <laughs> yeah, yachting. <laughs> but art for um, sure, definitely. Mm-hmm. Art yachting and then just like shenanigans. Yes. I feel like just <laughs> like Scooby Doo level shenanigans. It really is. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Can we get started? Yes, let's do it. Alrighty. So we start off, um, and Nancy Best and George are at the Drew home, and Nancy is talking to them about a client of her father's who's gonna come to dinner that night, and she has an exciting mystery involving a whispering statue that is now missing. 
Um, Nancy tells us that her name is Mrs. Merriam. And at dinner, Mrs. Merriam tells us um, and tells the Drews and Bess and George that her uncle left her all of his books when he died, but she didn't have any room for them in her house. So she reached out to a man named Willis Basswood to sell them for her because apparently they're like really nice antique books, like very expensive that you could get a lot of money for. They're not just like, you know, paperbacks. Right. <laughs> um, and so he said he would sell them, take a commission, and then give her a receipt of the sale. But lately, he has said that the books aren't selling. And so Mrs. Merriam is concerned that he may be selling the books and just not passing the money along to her. Um, so she explains all that to them <laughs> at dinner. And right after she finishes explaining that, both the front and the back door of the Drew home are knocked on at the same time. And their telephone rings. So Hannah gets up to go answer the back door. Mr. Drew goes to answer the front door and Nancy goes to pick up the telephone. Um, obviously we're in Nancy's POV right now. And so we hear the caller say, you tell Mrs. Merriam to shut up or she'll get hurt. And you people too. And then they hang up the phone. Meanwhile, at the front and the back door, two masked men push their way into the Drew home at the back door, they knock Hannah down, but luckily, George comes to her rescue and Judo flips the guy onto the floor. Where'd he go, George? <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Started off on a really high note <laughs> with Judo. Um, and at the front door, the masked man and Carson are like in fisticuffs. They're like exchanging <laughs> blows. They're like having like a full on fight. And... <laughs> Of course, Carson, because he is so, you know, athletic and amazing, is dodging most of the hits that the guy is throwing, and he's getting in a couple good shots himself, you know? Um, but Nancy then runs into the room and exclaims that she's going to call the police. And when both of the intruders hear this, they turn tail, take off running. <laughs> Luckily, though, in the scuffle, um, their masks fell off and they were able to see the faces of both men. So they're able to provide a description of the men to the police when they arrive. Um, the police tell them, oh, yeah, we know these guys. They're known criminals. They're thugs for hire, essentially. Um, and, you know, they go off to go pursue them and look for them. And after the police leave, they settle into the living room. And Mrs. Merriam, of course, feels terribly guilty that she's brought these people here, like, and that the Drews had to deal with this and all this. And she tells them, you know what, you should absolutely just drop my case. This is too dangerous. You know, forget about it. But Nancy's like, of course, wait, you haven't even told us about the whole mystery. You haven't told us about the Whispering Statue. But it's getting late, and with everything that's happened, the Drews ask Mrs. Merriam to stay the night because it's dark. They don't want her driving home and, like, with these crazy people out who are, like, attacking them. So she agrees. Um, Chief McGinnis calls and says that they actually apprehended one of the men, uh, the one who entered through the back door and attacked Hannah. Um, he, but, of course, the man is not admitting to it. But he does say that Hannah is the one that attacked him. Yeah, sure. So it's like, so you, you're you saying you were there. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, they tell Mrs. Merriam that one of the men was apprehended. And Carson also says, you know, yeah, he doesn't want her to be in danger. So 
they, you know, basically want to take this case so that they can help her. Um, he's going away on another case, though. So maybe Nancy, Bess, and George can come stay at your yacht club and investigate this situation. <laughs> this is, okay, I'm sorry, pause, time out. This is bonkers. So you just had two in intruders, two masked men come in and attack you. And you're like, yeah, I mean, it is really dangerous, of course. And, but we really want to help you, but I can't do that. So I'm going to send my 18 year old daughter <laughs> and her two 18 year old friends to your neighborhood to, to look into this. But they're going to stay at the yacht club. So he's not concerned so about their fine. safety. It's fine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they talk about that and, um, Mrs. Merriam is, you know, of course, reluctant because, you know, now we know this is a dangerous situation. But, of course, they all decide that what's going to happen is that Nancy will come under a false name. And so, you know, nobody would ever know that she's Nancy Drew. She's going to come as Debbie Lindbrook. Um, and she's going to come in disguise with a dark wig. And get this, she's going to use tanning lotion yeah. to make herself look more tan. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. They um, did have a fun little time coming up with uh, nicknames. I had to say one of the ones that they threw around was Carrie Fisher. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had to look it up to see if that possibly could have been a reference uh -huh. to actual Carrie Fisher. It probably was not because her yeah. her first like big role wasn't until a few years after this book was published. But I, I still thought that, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Very funny. Also, Carson's going to arrange for Nancy's messages. Any messages that Nancy, that will go to Nancy, will actually go to the Yacht Club manager. Um, and he'll take them for her so that she doesn't have to respond to messages as Nancy Drew, I guess. But this was weird to me. Because I was like, I guess we're just automatically ruling the Yacht Club manager out as a suspect. Yeah. Even though he has, <laughs> what like, if he's prime opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um... But then we do, we circle back to the whispering statue topic. Um, and Mrs. Merriam explains that it was a life-size statue of a woman made out of Italian marble. Um, it stood outside this mansion that was owned by an Italian man, which is actually now the Yacht Club. Um, and the statue apparently looked like Nancy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they had to put this in here. It's not Silly. relevant at all to the mystery. Yeah, it's really not. Oh, well, I think it might be because of what happens later, like when she gets trapped. I think because that's the stat, I think that's because that's the mold. And so because it looks like her, she can fit into it. Anyway, well, that's kind of a stretch. I don't, there's one I point where she's like, have you seen a statue? It looks just like me. And they're it like, oh, yeah. Like you know, they just use it as an identifier. Have you seen a, a piece of marble that looks like me? Oh, man. I don't know. You guys, this is wild. Okay. Anyway, now, so it looks like Nancy, but it was made to look like the wife of this Italian guy. But she unfortunately died from homesickness in her 20s. Like, she was homesick for Italy and she she died, died in sadness. Okay. That's really sad. It is really sad, but it seems <laughs> unlikely. Um, it's not like, like, like she was old either, yeah. you know? Like, she was in her 20s. I don't think she died from being sad. I mean, Nothing unless... happened, yeah. Unless it was, like, you know, died by a suicide situation. Like... 
Um, okay. And then much, you know, years, years later, the Italian man died and his property was sold to the yacht club. Um, but the whispering statue was stolen from the property before the contract closed. Um, the police investigated, but they never found anything. Um, and Mrs. Merriam explains that, yeah, she actually heard the statue whisper on a couple of occasions. Um, apparently you could almost make out the words and they were sometimes warnings or like affectionate murmurings. It's very creepy. Um, but then it's late. So Carson leaves to take Bess and George home and while Mrs. Merriam and Hannah go to bed. Nancy waits up, though, for her father with Togo. Um, she's thinking about the mystery. <laughs> Eventually she realizes it's been a long time and Carson should be home now. Um, and so like, she's worried has something happened to him. So she continues to wait for a little bit and then she decides to try to call George or Bess. Um, but the Drew's phone is not working for some reason. Um, she can't get a dial tone. Um, so she just kind of has to wait. Um, eventually though, Carson does come back. Um, and he tells her that as soon as he pulled out, he realized that they were being followed. So he took Bess and George to a soda, soda. <laughs> so he took Bess and George to a soda shop so that whoever was following him didn't find out where Bess and George lived. Excellent call by Carson. <laughs> nice moves. Carson drew, um, at the soda shop, Bess and George get some rides home with some friends who I guess were just there, just lucky happenstance, um, while Carson drove to the police station. And when the car that was following him realized where he was going, they promptly stopped following him and left. And fled. Very smart. <laughs> yes. Um, but then Carson goes to check their phone line, um, you know, because Nancy said that it wasn't working. And he sees that it has been cut. So someone has sabotaged this. Carson's able to fix it. <laughs> he like, I, he's like master electrician Carson. And he like splices the wires together or something. I guess wow. this is where Nancy gets all of her random skills I from. Guess Carson so. also has all this expertise. <laughs> Comes from a very competent parent. Okay. Um... Yeah, so he's able to fix it, like, just enough to make a phone call, and he calls the police to report, you know, everything that happened, um, and the phone wire cutting, and then, you know, calls someone to come out to repair the phone line. Um, the next day, Nancy is making preparations for her trip. She calls Bess and George and tells them to meet her at the airport and call her Debbie. And she also buys a wig and has it delivered because she doesn't want to be seen leaving her house buying a wig. Okay. Um... <laughs> then Ned stops by that afternoon. Um, Nancy tells him about everything going on and she shows off her disguise, which is wig, self-tanner, horned rim glasses. And even she fakes like an aff affectation, like in her voice. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, Ned is very impressed by this, um, you know, this costume. Um, but he's of course worried about her safety. Um, and he decides that, you know, he may visit the yacht club while she's up there to try to help her and keep her safe. Uh, <laughs> did we ask Adopt Ned? Ned? <laughs> no! <laughs> Stay away! Go home! Oh, anyway. It's, I guess, it's sweet. I just don't like Ned. Anyway, so the next day... All the girls um, get to the airport and take their flight. But then when they get to their destination, the airport is, like, empty. How did they pull this off? 
This is so weird. Um, so they like go out front of the airport and a station wagon pulls up and a man comes out asking if they're headed to the yacht club. And they say yes and just get into this man's car. Yeah. I, I mean, how stupid. <laughs> if you didn't call to arrange a ride, you think this man just knows that you're going to be there? This is odd to me. Um, the anyways, yacht club would have told you if they were sending someone for yeah, you. That's yeah. weird. Yes, and he would have known your names. You know? So they get into this car. Um, but when, once this guy starts driving, they realize, of course, he's not taking them to the yacht club. He's taking them to some, like, sketch secondary location. Like, just, like, this address on the beach. They, like, drive past all these sand dunes or whatever to, like, this old house or something. So the girls decide to jump out of the car and flee across the sand dunes. <laughs> so they're, like, running across the beach. Um, and then men come out of the house that they were just approaching and start chasing them across the sand. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is chapter three. This is chapter three. We're in a full-on chase away from scary kidnapping mm -hmm. men. It's great. Also, it's like, great. don't they have, like, rope? and like tape or mm -hmm. something they have stuff to restrain them oh yeah ah! mm -hmm. oh yeah horrifying um <laughs> so they're running for their lives <laughs> um but we do specify that these men are like heavy set middle-aged um they're not running super fast by nancy bess and george so they're actually able to like get away for a minute and they're able to outrun them, but they don't have any idea of where to go because they don't know where they are. Um, and also all of their luggage is still in the car, of course. Um, so Nancy has this bright idea. Why don't we just lead them in a big circle? <laughs> <laughs> so the men at this point are now pretty far away from where they started from at the car and Nancy, Bess and George book it back to the car Conveniently, the keys are just still in the ignition, so they steal the car. <laughs> but can I say, though, like, initially their plan was not to steal the car. They just came back for their luggage. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't intend to get into the car and steal it. They were just like, but wait, our stuff's back there. And so they, like, they loop around and they start to open the trunk and, like, try to pull it out. But then the men are catching up. And so they're like, oh, shoot, what do we do? And Nancy's like... Oh, the key. Just get in the car. Let's Guys, go. jump in. And Bess and George are like, wait, why? And she's like, we gotta go. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're like pulling the car door shut as Nancy's peeling out of this sand dune. <laughs> so oh, they drive so straight good. to the police station. Um, and the police, yeah. of course, instantly believe their story. Oh, what a harrowing experience you girls have had. Of course, you wouldn't have still stolen a car. <laughs> Unless mm -hmm. it was life or death. <laughs> yep. So they thank the girls for, you know, their quick action and tell them, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll go check check out the old house. We'll try to track, track down these guys that tried to kidnap you. Um, so eventually they make it to the yacht club. They get a real taxi, I guess, and get over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they get checked in. And, of course, they check Nancy in under the name Debbie Lindbrook. And we meet the manager of the yacht club who comes out to greet us. And he is, of course, already aware of Nancy's alias and her reason for being there. So he's, you know, he's down with the plan. And, oh, no, what is it? In on the plan and down with the cause. That's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. 
That's um, Nicholas Falcone. I would never oh! kidnap anyone who's not oh, in yeah. on the plan and down and with the down cause. With the cause. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after this ordeal, we need to relax a little bit. They decide to go sailing. Um, <laughs> so they go down to the beach where the yacht club has just, I guess, all these boats for any yacht club members or people who are staying there to just take the boats out. Um, is crazy. We have this scene where Nancy's weird about putting a swimming cap over her wig because they don't know. <laughs> how to swim with the wig on she can't just like put the swim cap over her real hair she has to put the wig on first yeah. and then the swim cap over that whatever but um they get out there to the dock and we meet this um attendant who's working at the dock his name is dick and he's a little bit flirty with all three of them really yep. <laughs> um and he gives them uh permission to take out one of their larger sailboats um which they call the top job is the name of the boat um because he's impressed with nancy's extensive sailing knowledge apparently like the smaller boats you can take out no problem but you have to have permission to take the bigger boats well he immediately uh yeah. deems nancy an expert sailor so he's like no problem <laughs> take out the big boat sure so they go, they go out on the water, and of course things start to go wrong very quickly. The wind changes. Bess gets knocked overboard <laughs> yes. into the water, um, and then they run into something. I think that there um, there's like a a ship that had sunk under this know. part, and then they like hit one of the sails. I don't know. Something happens, um, and the the boat starts to capsize. Actually. <laughs> They all manage to make it to the surface after falling in the water. Bess is okay. Um, and after a lot of diving to the bottom, they manage to like get this rope to secure the boat to something so that it doesn't sink. Um, and then Dick has to come to their rescue because he's noticed <laughs> them like flailing out on the water. And Nancy offers immediately to pay for all damages to the boat. And he is so impressed with her sailing <laughs> skills and her rescue skills that he's like, no, don't worry about it. The yacht will pay for everything for your troubles. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so everything's fine. They get the boat back and everything and they go get cleaned up and they decide to go talk to the yacht club manager. Um she is in insists again on paying for the damages to the boat and he's like, Oh no, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. I just want to make sure you girls are safe. <laughs> oh, uh, but then she asks him about the missing statue, uh, or the missing whispering statue, and he reiterates that the police never found any clues after they tried to investigate, um, and actually he wasn't working here yet at the time that the statue went missing. Um, he only started working here about a year ago, so... Oh, did I miss that up? No, I, this oh. is just very confusing to me. So, okay, so this statue went missing a long time ago. Right. This is not a recent mystery. Mm-hmm. So what does it have to do with Mrs. Miriam? It looks like Nancy. Okay. I don't think it does. I don't think <laughs> But it then how is it, why is it that we opened up this book with Mrs. Miriam has this mystery of this whispering statue? It's like, no, she has a mystery about what's happening to the books that she's selling. She's not, <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. Where did, what, what is it about this statue? Just happens to be at the Yacht Club in the same town where she lives. I think that that's, the long and the short of it. Okay. Because does she own the yacht club or does she just live nearby? I think she just lives nearby. That wasn't even very clear because it made it seem like she had some sort of stake in this yacht no, club. But I think, I think it's she's really just, just a member. She, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Well. <laughs> well, Mr. I think Mr. Ayer is that his name? The yacht club yeah. manager. He only started working at the yacht club about a year ago, um, and of course, you know, he wasn't there. He doesn't know too much more about the statue itself. 
Um, so Nancy, Bess, and George decide that they are going to go look around the garden for clues. Oh, um, because, you know, if this went missing years ago, surely there's still a footprint right. or something from the bad guy that they could <laughs> that they could uh, come across. Of course. So they go and they look at the spot where the statue was supposed to be standing. They don't really find anything there. So they walk around the, the, the grounds a little bit further and they come across a shed. And guys, we're only in chapter five here, but Nancy finds the statue in this, this shed. <laughs> the oh shed, my god. The shed isn't even locked, but it's like very disorganized. It's just kind of this like mess of a pile of tools and gardening equipment. And there's oh. this just like giant figure in the there. corner covered it's in just... a sheet. And she pulls it down and it's the statue. But she's like, it's oh, the it's, statue. it's the statue. Clearly it looks just like me. So this must be it. In an unlocked gardening shed on the property. On the property. It's just there. It's just Maybe right 50 there. feet away from where the statue was supposed to be standing. Did nobody look? <laughs> <sighs> but the only thing is it's not whispering. So very right. strange. So we go and we get the manager and then he calls Mrs. Miriam and then she comes and positively identifies the statue as the whispering statue. Um, so they put it back into the garden and they decide to like mess with it a little bit. They face it all different directions. They're like, what if she only whispers when she's facing in the direction of Italy? Maybe then, then it'll work. But they, they rotated it all, all the way around and they don't hear any sort of whispering. Uh, but whatever, at least the statue has been returned. It's in its rightful place now. Um, and everyone's, you know, happy with it. Except for Nancy, who just really wants to hear it whisper because she thinks that, you know, whatever made it whisper before, maybe the the thief tampered with the statue so that it doesn't whisper anymore. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, of course, that's more likely than the fact than than it just being that the statue never actually did whisper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to believe in a supernatural statue that was tampered <laughs> with somehow and lost its supernatural ability than to believe in the fact that the statue was never supernatural to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> incredible okay <laughs> but this is still bothering nancy she's just like why why is it not whispering so she comes up with a this hunch that this statue is actually a reproduction of the original that someone like stole the statue made a copy of it and then brought the copy back here um like to like throw suspicion off her so that no one would notice that the statue went missing. Um, and then, you know, obviously took the real one and made money off of it somehow or whatever, but this must be a fake Nancy concludes because we're not hearing it. Talk to us. Oh my God. <laughs> so she calls Carson and she asks him to try to get, get in touch with an art expert. Um, but he's out of town until the next day. So we can't talk to him right now. Um, but then the next day, Nancy is like looking out the window of their hotel room in the yacht club and they notice that some men that like look like they're a moving company are out there like finagling with the statue. They're like trying to load it into the back of a truck and move it around. So she goes running out. <laughs> um, she goes down to the front desk and notifies them and then they stop the, the guys in time. And they're like, what are y'all doing? And they're like, yeah, we got this work order to come move the statue and take it away. And they're like, who hired you though? And then they're kind of shifty with the answer. And they're like, no, we didn't hire any movers. Um, get out of here basically. And so um, they, they end up leaving, but Nancy again, spoils at art theft. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Um, at this point, though, she decides that she needs to visit Mr. Basswood's art and bookshop later. So they go into the, the town nearby the yacht club, I guess. And as soon as they enter, they're approached by a tall, slender man who turns out to be Mr. Basswood's assistant. Um, and he asks them to sign the, the guest book before they're allowed to actually enter the shop. Um, and Nancy's like, no, we're just looking around. Um, I don't want to sign your book. And he's like, no, it's store policy. You have to sign the book. So she quickly manages to remember to sign her name or her alias name instead of her real name. Um, but they have to put on there where they're from. And it says River Heights. And he's like, oh, River Heights. Do you know a Nancy Drew? I heard that there's a Nancy Drew from River Heights. And they're like, Oh, yeah, she's famous in town. Everyone knows Nancy. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they're like, why? Why are you looking for Nancy Drew? And he says, oh, a client of ours, Mrs. Worth, knows a Nancy Drew from River Heights. Um, and this friend's, uh, this lady, um, I guess we know her from town. She's this, like, huge gossip in River Heights and is apparently friends with Mrs. Miriam as well. Um, so we think that maybe our town gossip has somehow spilled beans and the word has gotten back to Mr. Basswood that uh, Nancy Drew is coming to town. Uh, but eventually we go in, the girls start to browse and they end up meeting Mr. Basswood. Um, and then like multiple people come up to Nancy and are like, Hey, could you help me find this book? And Hey, what do you think? Which painting would my wife like the best? And just all this stuff. And so um, eventually like all these people just keep coming up to Nancy and she's making sales for the bookshop. <laughs> um and then and then she's like oh hey i've got an idea she goes up to mr basswood and asks for a job and is like hey you see what a good sales lady i am clearly you need extra help around the store why don't you hire me (laughs) it's not ridiculous to me that nancy would think that she could just get a job at the drop of a hat at a random store because she's good at it because that's a very nancy drew thing to do What does shock me (laughs) is that he gives her the job, even though she's like, no, I don't have any work history. But this is like fun for her. And she's never asked to see a resume or anything. She just wants to cosplay as a person with a job. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He also doesn't ask her for any identification. Um, Doesn't ask her for any references, anything like that. He just says, sure. Can you start tomorrow? And this she's like, should have been our tip off right here that this guy was sketchy <laughs> because she even like worries that he's going to ask for a social security mm-hmm. number and he doesn't. <laughs> Y'all, How are you getting employer, paid, Nancy? <laughs> if your employer doesn't ask for your SSN, uh, you might have a, a shady situation mm-hmm. on your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, she's only going to work between the hours of 10 to 12 and 2 to 4. So she's still going to have plenty of time for mystery solving. She's so busy. That's a packed schedule right there. Only a two-hour lunch break. Only a two-hour lunch break. <laughs> um, so the girls leave, and they're, like, laughing to themselves about Nancy's new job. Nancy's going like, to be a working girl. They're like, girl. oh, my God, Nancy the working girl. Nancy has a job. Oh, my God. I cannot handle this. Um, and then George... Decides to go get her calling cards with the name of Debbie Limbrook to, like, add to her credibility for, like, identification purposes so she can hand people cards that say Debbie Limbrook. And so what are they going to do when the phone number on there, they call the phone number and it's like, Drew home. This is the Drew Hannah residence. Hannah speaking. Hannah speaking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so idea, when they George. get back to the yacht club, 
Bess gets a call from her mom. Apparently, Hannah called Bess's mom because a man called Hannah and asked to speak to Nancy Drew immediately and insisted that Hannah give him a way to find Nancy. Hannah, of course, did not do that and told the man that if he wouldn't disclose who he is, he just needs to stop calling, right? Um, way to go, this, Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. She's the bomb. Um, but, of course, this phone call worried Hannah, um, and she didn't want to call Nancy directly, I guess, so she decided to call Mrs. Marvin and have her call Bess to give Nancy a heads up about this. A little overly okay. cautious, but... Yeah, I think you could have called the Yacht Club, but whatever. Um, but then Nancy calls Carson, I guess, to tell him about this stuff, um, and also to ask him to send an art expert, and he does agree to call a friend of his to come look at the statue. The next day, Nancy goes to work. <laughs> she has a great day. She makes several sales and even manages to stop a book theft, um, much to the chagrin of Mr. Atkins, who is uh, Mr. Basswood's assistant. He's, like, jealous and, like, miffed yeah. that Nancy has a job here. <laughs> He's like... Who is this girl? Which honestly, you your job, Mr. Hawkins. Fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the end of the day, uh, Mr. Basswood tells Nancy that she won't be needed the following morning, just in the afternoon. So Nancy thinks something is going to go down the following morning at the shop. So the next morning, they decide to bring Dick, the dock attendant, um, with them to like check out the store and see if anything's happening. Um, they approach the back of the store, um, and they overhear Mr. Basswood and Mr. Atkins talking through an open window. Mr. Atkins says, it's a good thing that they're getting rid of the rest of Mrs. Merriam's books because he doesn't trust Debbie Lindbrook. <laughs> um, then, unfortunately, after being startled by an approaching car, uh, Dick falls into the open window of the, um, bookstore, so. 10 out of 10. Way nice to go, move. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Nancy, Bess, and George ditch Dick. <laughs> they just, like, run. They're like, really, he'll be fine. We'll come back for him later. <laughs> um, but they, like, I mean, they, like, look in and they see that he landed on a bunch of newspapers. So they're like, he's fine. Let's go. <laughs> he didn't die. Um, he'll be okay. <laughs> they go back to his car to wait for him there. And he comes back about 10 minutes later basically was just able to shrug his way through all of Mr. Basswood's questions about like why he fell through the window. Um, so they just let him go. <laughs> great, great work, Dick. Top detectiveing. Um, I guess they go back to the yacht club after that. And the next day, um, Ned, Bert and Dave are supposed to visit. So Nancy makes a plan with Mrs. Merriam and Ned. Ned is going to come into the shop. Um, and asked to buy some of Mrs. Merriam's books in the hopes that this will reveal some clue about Mr. Basswood's plans and deal with all this, these books, right? Um, <laughs> Ned is really... Um, so, yeah, so Ned comes, and he does. He comes into the store, pretends not to know Nancy, um, and asks Mr. Basswood for a book that they know that Mrs. Merriam is selling. Um... So Mr. Basswood does offer to sell him the book, but at a much higher price than he would account than would account for the payments that are being made to Mrs. Merriam. So like the percentage, right, doesn't match um, what he should be paying to Mrs. Merriam for these books. If that right. makes sense. So Ned is a champ, though, um, and he does still buy the books, even though they're super expensive, because Nancy like steps on his toes, basically like buy him, buy him, you know. Um, and so. <laughs> He does, and they're going to be delivered to the Yacht Club later. 
Um, after Good work, on Ned for this one. I know. He's even like, I can't afford that. I Nancy. cannot afford these. And he <laughs> just steps on his toes and is like, buy it anyway. <laughs> oh. oh. Um. Yeah. After work, Ned and Nancy head to the yacht club sailing race race that's happening. George and Bert are already there, and they're in a race that they win. Um, and then Ned and Nancy are like preparing to enter one. When suddenly someone runs down the dock and announces a telegram for Nancy Drew. This almost catches Nancy. She almost gives herself away out of habit because she thinks it's like an urgent thing. So she goes to like stand up. But Ned catches her before she does and reminds her that she's supposed to be incognito. Like, hey, there's no Nancy Drew here. You're Debbie Limbrook. Sit down, you know? Um, so, I mean, as much as we hate Ned, Ned is coming through here all right okay gotta give him his props i guess (laughs) this is like like the best example of a ned i know story (laughs) ned assistance in any of the books so far yeah um so george who's watching from the sidelines of this race um decides to get the manager mr Ayer, to take the telegram um, then Nancy and Ned concentrate on the race, which they win, of course, despite being like fouled at the beginning, um, and not having like the right sail in their boat. It was complicated. Anyway, it seemed like um, this was like the bad guys trying to find them and they already yeah. knew which ones they were. And so they were trying to sabotage their boat. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think but that they that didn't. was, yeah. it was just some jerk other yeah. like, unsportsmanlike person in the race. It was weird. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Um, so afterwards, Nancy goes to find Mr. Eyre to get the telegram from him, and she opens it, and she finds that it's blank. There is nothing in that telegram. So it was just a trick to try to get her to reveal herself. So this is slightly troubling, because it means that whoever is looking for her suspects that she is here at the Yacht Club. Mm. Um, later they're at a dance that night, celebrating, like, their sailing race victories or whatever. And Nancy and Ned decide to take a stroll outside by the Whispering Statue. How scandalous they are taking a midnight stroll alone in the garden. Very scandalous. Very scandalous. <laughs> um, Nancy stops because she thinks that she can hear the statue whispering. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> so, but actually, it is just a, um, a guy proposing to his girlfriend uh, like they're like i guess having a little picnic or something on the other side of the statue from where ned and nancy are and just happened to overhear this and assumed it was the statue talking oh my god which is wonderful um they don't recognize the Congrats couple so they them. figure yeah it's not somebody staying at the yacht club it's just literally just two randos on the other side of the statue but then the next day they walk past the statue again and they do hear it whisper um so nancy assumes that the person who originally stole the original Whispering Statue and then, you know, made the fake and replaced it with the fake has now come back to the scene of the crime to do something to the statue. <laughs> Which, that's still an unconfirmed theory, by the way. We don't know for sure that this is just a replica. Uh, but she <laughs> assumes that now whoever made this replica has come back to the statue to do something to make it, uh, it whisper when the wind blows on the statue. Just to throw off suspicion. So that we think that now that the statue can whisper, it's the real one. Suspicion of what? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Suspicion of what? 
of having stolen the statue that is there? Okay, so... <laughs> so we can't just assume. So here's the thing. But before we assumed that, because it wasn't whispering, someone tampered with the statue, right? right? To cause it not to whisper somehow. And so instead of thinking like, oh, the statue just never whispered, and whoever thought they heard it whispering just heard the wind blowing, and or maybe something else, and it's just a mistake, right? Instead of assuming that, we assumed that, oh, no, it did whisper, and they did something to it to cause it to not whisper. Now that we have heard it whisper just a few days later, we're like, oh, well, it's possible that the wind wasn't hitting it right, that just wasn't causing it to whisper before, and so actually this is the real statue. No, 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 no. No, no. It's <laughs> still my original theory. I'm still right. I'm not giving it's that up. It <laughs> still has to be that they came, tampered with it, and then tampered with it again to cause it to whisper. Uh... <laughs> so you know how it's like, yeah. um, what is that theory? The, where like the simplest explanation has to be the most likely? Mm-hmm. Nancy That's not does the case here. Not ascribe to that. No, nope, she does nope. not. So clearly that's what's happening here, right? Um, so the next day, it, it rains, so we can't do any investigating. So the next day after that, <laughs> um, the books that uh, that Ned had bought from the bookstore arrive at the Yacht Club. Um, and Nancy asked Mrs. Miriam to stop by to like look at the books to verify that they actually were from her collection. Uh, but first she has to go to work. Um, and it's very busy at the bookstore that day, but she does have time to make a few observations. Uh, one is that Mr. Basswood is always locked in his office and never lets anybody inside except Mr. Atkins. Um, and he's very secretive about it. And two, he carries a lot of cash on him at all times, mm-hmm. um, which is a little weird because Nancy, like, they don't have a cash register, I guess. Anytime yeah. she makes a sale, she has to, like, like whisper through the door door frame at at Mr. Basswood because he won't open the door for her. It's like, hey, I need you to make change for me. Mm-hmm. And then he'll like go and get the, whatever painting or whatever the person bought and then make the change and then just go back and lock himself back in the office again. And Nancy gets a little like uh, brave with how many like weird attempts she makes to get in the office. She always comes up with some weird yes. excuse to go in there and he's <laughs> always like, what do you think you're doing? Get out. I told you no. But then, in the busy rush of the morning, a couple from River Heights stops by, and Nancy freaks out because she recognizes them, so of course they're going to recognize her. Um, she's worried that they're going to give her away and give away her secret identity, but she manages to, to like slip them a note, and they are instantly on board. They're like, all right, we got you, Nancy. We're, Is this we're, one of we're... your mysteries? <laughs> <laughs> we're in on the plan, and we're down with the cause, Nancy. Let's go. <laughs> Um, so she helps them with their purchase, and then she goes to give the money to Mr. Basswood in his office, and when she knocks on the door, she realizes that it's just open, and she goes in the office. But then she sees that Mr. Atkin is slumped over Mr. Basswood's desk, like completely motionless. So she runs over, she takes his pulse really quick. He's alive, but it's very weak, um, so she calls in her friends to help, and they say that uh, or the the couple from River Heights, she calls them in to help, and they say, oh, it looks like he's had a heart attack. Let's call for an ambulance. So while they're waiting for the ambulance to show up, Nancy's like, perfect time to do some snooping over Her- this man's collapsed body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, you know, just like snooping around on the desk where he's unconscious and sees a note <laughs> that says M-D-K-D, like capital D, lowercase e, 
letter M, DK, 500 on account. That's kind of a weird message. Okay. Um, but then the ambulance gets there and Mr. Basswood returns. And as soon as they cart Mr. Atkin away in the ambulance, he kicks everyone out of his office. And he's furious that they ever entered the office in the first place. And they're like, but, you know, we kind of saved his life. And he's like, yeah. I don't care. You shouldn't have done a that. medical emergency situation <laughs> yeah. going on. He's like, that's no excuse. Get out. Uh, <laughs> so they head back to the yacht club. The couple is nice enough to drive Nancy back there. And they're like super excited to hear all about the mystery and she fills them in on everything and they're really happy to have helped and it's, it's kind of sweet uh, but then we get back to the yacht club and find out that miss miriam mrs miriam has come by and has verified that the books that ned bought were indeed from her collection um so it does look like mr basswood is guilty of fraud here um, because he told her that they had already sold but at a way lower price than what ned had actually paid for the books so later that evening, the expert that Carson sent arrives and he looks at the statue and he says that it's a beautiful piece and it's a great replica, but it is definitely not original Italian marble. Um, it doesn't ring when it's tapped. And he says something about the patina on the statue. He has all these like specific reasons for why it's definitely not, not the real thing. Um, so they flip it over um, just in case maybe they can see like an artist mark on the bottom or any clues that, you know, make it appear more obvious that it's a fake. And they do see a faint mark on it. And it says MDK, just like on that Ooh. note from Mr. Basswood's office. What a coinky dink. Yes. The expert guy's like, I don't know who this mark belongs to, but I will look it up when I get back to New York. Um, and I'll also do a little bit of research and see if I can find any more information on the statue's providence. Nancy asks him to stop by Mr. Basswood's shop in the morning to see if he thinks that the statues that he has there are fairly priced, because Mr. Basswood has a whole range of art in his store in addition to just these antique books. Um, so he agrees. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll stop by. But unfortunately, the next morning, Mr. Basswood is very suspicious of this art expert. He watches him like a hawk while he's in the store. Um, he's able to make a few remarks about the statue's prices seeming a little high, but Nancy can't really, you know, ask him any more details about it because Mr. Basswood is, of course, like standing over their shoulders. Nancy did notice, however, that there was another MDK mark on the bottom of one of the statues in the shop. Uh, so once the art expert guy leaves, she asks Mr. Basswood about it, and he looks like kind of freaked out for a second when she asked the question, but he's like, no, I don't know any artist by that name leave me alone about it um he says he bought the the statues at an auction but he doesn't know anything about the sculptor himself so <laughs> he refuses to answer any other questions about it and so he's like what are you doing get back to work go dust everything so yeah. she starts dusting everything in the store and she notices mr basswood go over to the bookshelf and look at it for a second and then like hurries to like put it away so that nancy doesn't see it but she goes over to the shelf anyway, and she finds the book that he put back, and she sees that it's a book on modern sculptors. So was he trying to look up this MDK person? Was there some reason that he thought that MDK would be in that book, that Nancy might you know, come across that information on her own? Uh, before she can really do any other investigating or asking any other questions, the whole building starts to shake. Um, somebody screams earthquake and a, a whole like a whole group of books falls out of the shelf and falls on Nancy's head and it's like you know the whole thing whole building starts to come down <laughs> so oh my god okay so Nancy yeah is able to leap out of the way of all these falling books saving herself from injury from a book um and so she <laughs> turns on the news um, and sees it actually wasn't an earthquake, but a gas main exploded somewhere or something that I guess caused the whole town 
to shake. I don't, that's wild. Um, but apparently everyone's fine. Every, every, all the buildings are safe or whatever, even though there was this massive disruption. Structurally, everything should be fine because it wasn't an earthquake, even though the earth did shake. That's the same okay. thing, right? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that seems like you should still maybe get it checked out. Okay, but the shop is wrecked, right? Books all over the place. Art fell off the wall. Statues fell over and everything. Um, but in the commotion, Nancy is able to grab the book that Mr. Basswood took while she's picking everything up. Um, she can't look at it yet, but she, like, tucks it away. Um right all the statues and all the paintings have fallen and everything but one of the statues the one that looks or the the one that um the excerpt was examining in fact has fallen and broken on the floor um and nancy looks and sees that it is not solid marble at all it was actually built around a wire frame so definitely a fake Mm. um and this is the mdk statue so evidence right that if this one's a fake then, well, I guess we already know that the other Whispering Statue is a fake, but that this MDK person makes a lot of fakes, right? She also finds a hidden door that has been, like, uncovered in the back room. I don't know how this was hidden, but okay. Um, And she peeks in there, and she sees that there's, like, a ton of art and sculpting tools in there. Okay. Um, I love this. This is so great. (laughs) Um, Mr. Basswood tells Nancy that he's closing the shop for the rest of the day. Um, and Nancy offers to stay and help clean up, but he refuses and, like, angrily tells her to leave. Um, but, like, just as she's about to leave, Bess and George come in and frantically run up to Mr. Basswood and tell him that Mr. Adkin is awake at the hospital and is asking urgently for him. Mr. Basswood is suspicious of this message and wonders why Mr. Adkin didn't call him directly. Um, and Nancy suggests that, you know, maybe because of this commotion or whatever, the phone stopped working. Okay. All Clever. right. Nice. Yeah, good, Clutch. <laughs> so he goes into the office to check the phone. Um, and Nancy, Bess, and George pretend to leave, but they actually just hide in the shop until Mr. Basswood leaves um, and locks the door behind him. So now Excellent. Excellent. they are unoccupied in the shop. Um, with nobody watching. So they go investigate the back room. Um, and Nancy finds some books and sees that they are some of Mrs. Merriam's books. Um, but then they hear someone coming. And so they decide that they need to hide. Fortunately, there's no closets in this room. There's only one door to get out. So if they go through that door again, the person's going to see them. So they decide that their best option is to get inside um some open picture frames that are leaning against the wall and pose as pictures in picture frames we need to uh post this image the illustration from the book because it's too good it's too good it's so funny this is what i'm talking about with scooby-doo level shenanigans Mm -hmm. this you would only see this in a 1970s cartoon of (laughs) scooby-doo I can't think of anything else. Nancy even must specifies what inspired this. Yeah. It must have been, yes. <laughs> she even specifies that they like turn the, their bodies at an angle so that they're yeah. not like forward profile. She's like, I don't want anyone to recognize us because if we're turned sideways, no one will recognize no us. No one will or, recognize or, us. Or, you know, realize that we're not actually paintings. Um, but, you know, if we're, we're head on, they might notice something like that. So, <gasps> amazing. 
So, yeah, so this man walks into the room, and Nancy realized that this man is one of the men who barged into their house at the beginning of the story. So she also hears him muttering to himself that the money must be here somewhere and stuff about how, like, this money is, like, rightfully theirs and it's owed to them or something. Unfortunately, the man bumps into Bess's picture frame, causing it to fall, and of course, making him realize that, oh, that's not a picture, that's a person. So he grabs Bess, um, and Nancy and George leap out of their pictures and tackle the guy. Because he George didn't Jesus. see that they were not pictures. George <laughs> um, uses her famous judo moves, um, and they manage to hold him. Nice. And Nancy goes to call the police. Um, Unfortunately, because Nancy had to get up to go call the police, the man is able to escape Bess and George's grip and get away in like a waiting car out on the street. The police show up and Nancy gives them the details of everything that happened, including the license plate of the car he left in that she she managed to see. Now we have proof, though, that the men who broke into Nancy's house are in league with Mr. Basswood somehow. Um, And Nancy suspects because the man who broke in also mentioned a man named Marcus that Marcus is the M in MDK. Feels like a stretch, but okay. Lots of M names out there, Nancy, but okay. This feels very akin to the um, Redgate Farm. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) I was about to say that. The the R must stand for Redgate Farm because (laughs) the number 18 is clearly there. Yeah. Um, but okay. Um, the girls then go back to the yacht club. George polices Bess's diet. Like, then they go to the beach. Big time. Yeah. Ugh, we'll talk about that later. Though. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to, to that talk about end. that yeah. specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah, they go to the beach and then Nancy and George take out a sailboat while Bess hangs out with Dick. I don't blame you, Bess. I yeah. wouldn't hang out with George <laughs> either. Or Nancy because she doesn't stick up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when Nancy and George are sailing, though, they notice, like, a larger sailboat heading straight for them. Um, the man at the wheel has a mask on. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is so funny. You see a sail- you see a man sailing with a mask on? Hey, not all of us can have as good of a disguise as a fake wig and some tanning lotion. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Um... So, um, and also the boat is unmarked. It, like, doesn't have a name or something. So Nancy realizes this man must mean them harm. Um, and so she, like, (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's just, like, they just decide to go down to the, to sail. And there's this guy just waiting in his sailboat for them. Just in in the mask. In the mask, in the mask. He's like, oh, there they are. Pulls the mask down takes the sailboat out and is like furiously sailing towards him first of all how do you furiously sail towards anyone second of all you were just waiting where were you what is happening oh just this image of a boat coming toward them with a mask man just furiously gripping the steering wheel of the boat (laughs) that's so funny oh my god okay so so they, like, take off in their smaller boat, and because the smaller boat is small, they're able to elude him um, and make it back to the dock safely. Um, <laughs> Dick promises to call the cops and tell them about this this fiend on the water. Um, and, <laughs> and he gives them the use of his car for the rest of the afternoon. Thanks so much, Dick. Okay, so... 
He's too generous with them. He really is. Dick's a great guy. (laughs) Bring back Dick. (laughs) Team Dick. I know y'all abandoned me in front of the bad guys, but you can have my truck. (laughs) But I love you so much. Please take my car and do whatever you like to it. I've seen you crash a sailboat, but take my car. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Back at the hotel, we get a call from the uh, statue expert again. Um, and he identifies, he looked into the MDK marks, and he identifies them as belonging to an artist named Marcus DeKeer, who has a studio a little ways outside of town. Um, so Nancy decides that the afternoon they're going to take Dick, they're going to take Dick's car and go visit it. Uh, they do. They're sh- be sure to be careful that they were not followed. Um, <laughs> God. So they get to the studio and they meet uh, Mr. DeKeer. Um, and Nancy thinks that he's probably ruthless and cruel because he has beady eyes. Um, but otherwise, they just look around the studio. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Bess and George are, like, outside while Nancy is looking inside at statues. They're outside because I guess there's also, like, statuary outside. Um, and they notice that Mr. Basswood has pulled up in his car. Uh-oh. Um, Nancy comes out and Bess is able to quickly like move their car to make it seem like they've left while George and Nancy stay and eavesdrop on Mr. Basswood and Mr. Dakir's conversation. And we learn that he is definitely forging statues for Mr. Basswood. Um, he also tells Mr. Basswood that Nancy stopped by, but of course Nancy didn't give her name. So he only gives like a description of her, but Mr. Basswood recognizes that description as being Debbie Lynn So He calls Debbie a nosy employee of his, um, but this is good news because it means that he doesn't know Debbie's Nancy, right? Yeah, true. So that's good. Um, So the girls leave after that, and they go eat dinner at a next-door farmhouse restaurant to keep an eye on the place, right? Um, And eventually, while they're watching through a window, they see the men drive off together and leave the, um, the barn. It's a barn. Um, So Nancy pays their check and they decide to go back over and snoop around on the grounds. (laughs) So they do. And as they're looking around, they tip over one of the statues and find a torn note. Only half of it is readable because it's like torn in half, but it definitely mentions the whispering statue. I'm sorry. Why is this necessary? I mean, I guess it does give us the location of the other town, I guess, which we need. But it's like we already know that MDK made the the fake whispering statue because we saw his name on the bottom of evidence. Yeah. Why do we need this note? Anyway, seems like you could have gotten this information a different way, but whatever. This is weird. Yeah. Um, so they head back to the Yacht Club, and Nancy is just puzzling over this torn note. She believes that it indicates a location, or she believes that it indicates the Wisping statue was sold and taken to a nearby town that starts with the word pit. Um, but, of course, they're not from this area, so they don't really know the nearby towns very well. So they pull out a map, and they see two possible locations on the map. They see a pit man and a pit bill that are both, like, 20-ish miles away from the Yacht Club. So they decide that they're going to check out both towns tomorrow to see if, you know, if they just drive into town, they'll find the statue somehow. (laughs) Um, So back at the Yacht Club, they have dinner with Dick and they play ping pong. And of course, um, is it Bess and Nancy win, I think, versus George and Dick? Uh It's this whole thing. It's it's kind of funny. But then um, they get a call, or Nancy gets a call from Mr. Basswood, who asks her to come in early to work the next day. 
she agrees, but says, I'll only do it if I can leave early because I need to go check out Pittman and Pittville. She doesn't say that part to him, obviously, but um, he agrees to this, but he's very grumpy about it. <laughs> I just, mm, yeah, after... It's a, it's a yeah. weird situation. Like, this man, what is up with Mr. Basswood? He's clearly on to her because if he he's should just like, fire her. Yeah, if he's instead noticed, he's like bending over backwards to accommodate her. I would never go back to that store again. I would I just like, all right, the jig is up. He's figured out that I'm like looking into him. Never go back there again because what if he's plotting something yeah. when you come into the store? Um, anyway, so she decides to take a stroll outside by herself after dinner, and she's goes over and looks at the whispering statue and she notices the statue is whispering again so she sits down to listen but she can't can't really decipher anything that it's saying however she does hear two men approach the statue and say something like her friends are here but where is that nancy drew she must be around here we'll find her And Nancy's like, obviously those are the guys that tried to kidnap us when we first got into town. Um, But they haven't figured out her disguise, so I don't know if they knew that they'd kidnapped Nancy Drew when they picked her up from the airport. I don't think so. Yeah, because wasn't she disguised then, too? So I think that you'd think... I don't know. I don't know. But they recognize Bess and George. But not Nancy. Yeah, anyway. So they're... They get spooked by someone else that's approaching the statue, so they run off. Um, So fast forward to the next day, Nancy does go into work like an idiot. Um, She makes a sale (laughs) of a painting. Um, So she she takes the painting and the change to Mr. Basswood's office as you... Or takes the cash to get change from Mr. Basswood's office as usual. But this time he grabs her by the arm and yanks her into the office, slams the door, and demands to know why she was at um, MDK's barn yesterday, Mr. DeKeer. She is very calm in this situation. Oh my god, I can't believe that this didn't go worse than it actually did. So she says that she is trying to see if they had any statues, or that she got his name from this art expert in New York and wanted to see if maybe they were selling any statues that Mr. Basswood could sell in his shop. Like she's she's acting like like, she's like going out of her way to be a good employee for him. Yeah. Um, he's, he gets really suspicious and is kind of gruff about, you know, talking to her and listening to her answers, but he doesn't question her any further at this. He just accepts it and lets her go. Uh, and then she's like, don't forget, I have to leave early this afternoon. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 please stay, please stay. I have, um, I need you here because I have to go into town. I have to run some errands and like, I can't close the shop at that time. But you know what? I will leave you the key and I, uh, you know, I'll let you just lock up and leave the key on the table when you go. And I just, I just need you here, please. And she's like, oh, you know what? <laughs> Pittman and Pittville can wait until tomorrow. I've got prime opportunity to snoop this shop. So she full like wholeheartedly agrees. Um, but then she has to go on her two-hour lunch break. So she meets up with Des and George and arranges for them and Dick to follow Mr. Basswood whenever he leaves the shop, um, whenever she gets back from lunch. Um, so they agree to this, and she's about to go back to the store after lunch. And who should show up but Ned? Smitten kitten Ned. Yes. Uh, So at this point, Mr. Basswood leaves and Ned just like pretends to be, you know, shopping again. So Mr. Basswood goes and he says, I've come to surprise you, Nancy. Let's go sailing. And she's like, Ned, you can't do this. You can't just like show up and expect me to go sailing with you. I'm working. I have a mystery, obviously. I have a job now, so I Mm. can't just go sailing with you. (laughs) 
And instead of being pouty, like I would normally expect Ned to be, he's like, all right, what do you need? I'm here to help then. Like, just put me to work on your mystery, Nancy. Um, So they go into the back room or the hidden room in the back where they found all the statues and the sculpting tools. But the room is completely empty. Everything is gone. Um, So they go upstairs and they check Mr. Basswood's office. Everything is gone from there, too. Um, Nancy's like, huh, I wonder if this is a bad sign. Maybe something (laughs) is going on. Maybe Mr. Basswood is, like, leaving town or, like, skiffing out on his business. Maybe something is going on. Listen, we need to get a Nancy Drew redaction where they have these voiceovers of Nancy just, Nancy's inner monologue of being like, (laughs) hmm, I wonder if that's a clue. (laughs) I wonder if something bad's going on. (laughs) Something is weird. Something's fishy here. Um, but at this point, the like lunch hour or whatever is over. So she, cause it's the two hour lunch break. I guess she took like an hour of it to actually go eat. And then the other hour, she was just going to like leave the store closed while she had Ned looked around. Well, now it's time to actually reopen the shop. So Ned is like pretends to, or no, um, he, Ned stays in the back room to look for more clues. And then she goes up to, you know, start helping customers or whatever and as she's heading through the hall she sees a man scooping objects up and like putting them into a box just like i guess in the middle of the store Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird but then she realizes that it's one of the men who forced his way into the drew home that first night uh or the first night that miss miriam uh met them so she tells him to stop but he takes out a rope and gag and tries to subdue nancy um, she's able to shout for help, though, and Ned comes running in and tackles the guy. Yeah, Actually, Ned. Good for you, Ned. Um, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. Somebody told me to, like, come get this stuff from Mr. Basswood's office. So I tried to tie I'm you just, up? <laughs> yeah, I'm just here doing my job, dude. Like, but he the won't say, like, who and the attack him. on you was totally just... <laughs> All in a day's work, my friends. Um, but luckily at this point, some people that Nancy recognizes is staying at the yacht club stop by and she asks them to call the police for her. Um, but the man like kind of panics and is like, no, 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 if you don't call the police, I'll tell you everything. Okay. So we get this story that he just drives the truck and makes deliveries for Mr. Basswood and Mr. Dekir. And they asked him to do this. Like they asked him to come get the rest of the stuff for the shop and then bring it to them. Um, and so Nancy realizes, hey, good opportunity to ask him about Pittman or Pittville. Hey, did you take a large statue to either of those places? And he says, yes, actually. Um, but then he realizes that he said too much and he won't confirm anything else from there. Then the police arrive and they take him away and Ned and Nancy get back to work. They have a really busy afternoon in the shop. Lots of people come by. Um, mostly they just wanted to know why the police were there. And then Nancy gets to tell this brave, heroic story about how they stopped a thief and um, it gets so busy that even Ned has to help work and, like, help out, out around the shop. I cannot believe that after this, they're still working at this place and selling inventory. Just close down. Close just, the doors. Just quit. <laughs> um, but at this point, a customer makes a rather large purchase, so she has to go into Mr. Basswood's office to make some change because he says that he's left some change for her in her his filing cabinet and to just you know use that if she needs any money. Um, but she sees that the whole office has been emptied out. There's no change. There's nothing. Um, so this does indeed look like he skipped town now and likely sent that man to clean out the last little bit of his stuff. So Nancy, at the end of the day, decides to take all the money that's earned and the key to the police for safekeeping, um, just so that she can make sure that she's not like, you know, 
tainted by association. Exactly. That yeah. they, nobody <laughs> thinks that she's involved with what's going on. Um, she also makes a statement about the man that arrested her, or arrested her, attacked her after they've arrested him. Uh, so she makes a statement for the police, and then they go back to the yacht club, Nancy and Ned do, where the manager has a, a message for Nancy. Um, apparently, George called and reported that they'd trailed Mr. Basswood, who picked up Mr. DeKeer, and then they went to a motel. So Bess, George, and Dick are all waiting for Nancy and Ned at a diner near the hotel, just kind of watching the hotel to make sure that they don't leave. Um, so Nancy and Ned drive right over. It is in Pittville, so Nancy was onto something there. Um, and it seems that Mr. Basswood and Mr. DeKeer are still in the motel when they arrive, so... They go in the diner and they sit down. I think they eat a little bit. And then Nancy uh, has a hunch. And so she goes over and asks the diner, the, the diner owner, if he knows anyone in town with a marble statue of a woman. And he says, actually, Mrs. King is a very wealthy woman who collects a lot of Italian art. If anyone would have it, it would be her. Um, so Nancy leaves Bess, George, and Dick to continue keeping an eye on the motel while she and Ned go to, to visit this Mrs. King. Here's where things... <laughs> get even crazier because we're now <laughs> in chapter 19 um so you can only imagine how things are heating up so they go to mrs king's house um and what do you know she does indeed have a marble statue of a woman um they go and take a look at it she invites them in and everything and it's the real whispering statue it's beautiful it's much more authentic looking than the statue of the yacht club Unfortunately, Mrs. King reports that it doesn't whisper. She's never heard it whisper. Hmm. So Nancy informs her that it is likely stolen. Um, and of course, Mrs. King wants to help in any way that she can. Um, so Nancy arranges for the art expert friend of her father to come down again and authenticate this statue as being the real one. She also takes a look at the canceled check that Mrs. King has for the statue's purchase. I don't know why it's canceled, but whatever. Um, and she recognizes the handwriting on the check as Mr. Basswood's. So, okay. So this is evidence that he's the one that sold her to, sold it to her. Interestingly enough, she paid $5,000 for the statue, which Why is in Mr. 1970, Basswood writing her a check? I don't know. I don't get it. I think that's weird. I think it's like he gave her a, like avoided check so that she would know where to send the money to sometimes oh, people do that okay you know? gotcha i gotcha. think it was something like that and so like his writing on the canceled check was like for her records gotcha. of like where she gave the money right interesting okay sorry anyway <laughs> yeah um it's just like a yeah i think an old-fashioned thing maybe that people gotcha. did for sales but Interestingly, she paid $5,000 for this statue, which in 1970, or in today's money, um, is $38,896. Jeez. So that's an expensive-ass statue. Mm -hmm. A little pricey. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is what I'm talking about. I need somebody wealthy to adopt me so I can just buy a house, ma'am. <laughs> there you go. I'll pay you back. I'm good for the money. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so Nancy calls Carson and he congratulates her on her success and decides to ask the hospital superintendent who he knows to keep an eye on Mr. Adkin, the assistant who had the heart attack mm -hmm. and like keep him in the hospital longer so that he can't like get away and like flee. What? Why not? Why not? <laughs> First of all, Carson knows this superintendent at this random hospital in this random town. 
that raises a lot of eyebrows for me. Second of all, this superintendent is willing to keep a man in the hospital, not because he needs to be in the hospital, but because Carson just asks him to. Surely there's easier ways to do this. Wow. <laughs> the power of Carson Drew. How convenient. Um, then Nancy and Ned return to Best George and Dick. Uh, Mr. Basswood and Mr. DeKeer still have not left uh, the hotel. What are they doing in there? Um, but of course, <laughs> um, <laughs> Nancy yeah, doesn't want to stay there watching all night. So Nancy decides to call a local detective agency like in town to come out there and keep watch. What? what a lazy bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're outsourcing your detective work, Nancy? Uh, She's I'm too sorry. busy being an art saleswoman. <laughs> oh, sorry. This peed me off. You have to do the all night's takeout. I'm sorry. You just have to. That's part of the book. Sorry. It's, you're in a detective book. You signed up to be a detective. You have to do these takeouts sometimes. <laughs> That's the name of the game. Okay. I'm sorry. Who's going to go <laughs> compete in the, the sailing race at the yacht right. club if and Nancy's on a stakeout? She needs her beauty sleep, right? She has to take care of herself. Not those professional people. They don't have to take care of themselves. But no. Nancy needs her sleep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, they go back to the yacht club. Um, Nancy gets another call from Carson. And he says that Mr. Adkin disappeared from the hospital. And they don't know where he went. So much for the power of Carson Drew. <laughs> um, That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Nancy goes to sleep. Um, the next day she gets a call from the private detective um, that she hired. Um, Mr. Bassett and Mr. DeKeer still haven't left the motel. So she decides to take Best George and Dick's car back to the art shop to look around some more. Um, she gets the keys from the police. <laughs> That she, because remember, she gave the police, she gave the keys to the police earlier. So she goes to get them back. They just willingly give her the keys. You know, sure. she has no rights to this studio, like this or this this art shop. Like she just works there, whatever. Also, like she hasn't signed a, a, a contract of employment or anything. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, sorry. There's no proof she actually works there, no. and the police are just like, yeah, well, let's just go get that out of evidence lockup for you real quick. Let's, <laughs> no problem. Here's the key. Wild. So at the shop, everything is as it was the way Nancy left it the day before. But then they get customers. So she just helps them. She sells them things. So Nancy is like still working for this man, even though he's fled officially. Like he's clearly a criminal. Uh, She's trying um, to expose his business and also promote his business at the same time. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Um, afterwards, um, they take the key and the money to the police again. It's like, thanks so much. Here, here's today's earnings. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, Nancy, Bess, and George, and Dick, uh, go to, or in Dick's car, go to Mr. DeKeer's studio. Dick's not here. Um, she sees everything there as it was when she visited previously, um, but speaks to a man there who says that he's the new owner. It's not Mr. Dakir, he's some other guy. He says he just bought this place and all the statues came with it. Oh, how convenient. Weird. Weird. Um, Nancy looks around again under the guise of shopping, I guess. Um, she's like out by herself while Bess and George are off somewhere else. And she sees two pieces of a hollowed out statue that she's curious about. So she leans in 
Um, and someone comes up behind her, grabs her, gags her, stuffs her inside the statue, and closes the top over it. Uh, yeah. Uh, help. Um, so she's stuck in there, but then she can hear and she feels that she's being picked up and moved, being put into the back of a car or something and being driven away. Perfect. Oh my God. She mentions she's lightheaded because of the lack of oxygen, but she can still breathe. Great. <laughs> okay. Um, back at the art barn, um, Bess has an amazing psychic moment. More evidence. She says, hey, you remember those two pieces of statue that were over there? They're missing. Do you think Nancy was put in there and taken away in a car? Once again, Bess has to save the day. <laughs> Seriously. Um, they quickly realize that they're probably right as they find Nancy's wig laying nearby and see that the truck that was outside the store is now gone. Excellent. Luckily, at this point, Ned and Dick pull up. Ned ended up coming uh, because Nancy had invited him earlier, so he's shown up. Um, they all follow the car's tracks that um, Nancy was kidnapped in. They chase it down um, and are able to flag down a state trooper and rescue Nancy. It's a tense moment. They like have to like come around, open up the back of this truck that they had pulled over, um, open up this, uh, you know, this mold of this statue, but like, they don't know that Nancy, if Nancy's alive in there, there's even a moment where Bess is like, or George maybe is like, uh, like, is Nancy like dead? Yeah. And Bess starts <laughs> crying too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's dark. Um, but they open it up and she's fine. <laughs> she's, of course she's fine. She's still conscious and everything. Um, the state trooper arrests the man who is driving, who turns out is part of Mr. Basswood's gang of criminals. Surprise, surprise. Um, Nancy calls Carson, who says, okay, well, I'm taking over now. That was too close of a call for you. As he should have done now from the I'm start. Worried. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm worried. Um, and he says he's inviting everyone to Mrs. King's house the next day. Okay. Um, inviting other people to someone else's house. Cool. But also, like, what? Why, Carson? Whatever. So we show up at Mrs. King's house the next day. And even Mr. Basswood, Mr. Atkin, and Mr. Dakir are there. They're under arrest, and they're, like, under the, like, control of, like, three police officers who are there. But I guess Carson, like, arranged for them to be present so that he could extract their confessions? It's a it's real Hercule Poirot moment, yeah. <laughs> but Carson as being the the detective, not Nancy. It's very right. weird. Yeah, it would have been much more satisfying if it was Nancy, but whatever. Um, so of course Nancy is revealed as Debbie, or Debbie Lindbrook is revealed to be Nancy, and they're shocked at this. Um, and they listen while Carson basically explains everything they've learned about their operation, right? That they sold the stolen Whispering statue to Mrs. King, cheated Mrs. Merriam out of her money, sold lots of art as originals when they were actually fakes. And of course, all the attempted kidnappings. <laughs> um, but then once Nancy can explain how the Whispering statue whispered, because she realizes that, like, having been kidnapped and locked in the statue, that there were nose holes in the statue. That's how she was able to breathe in there. So she realized that there must have been holes in the original whispering statue. And so that's how it whispered, is that it was, like, 
wind like blowing across the holes in the statue. So it was hollow? Must have been? Partially? If the original is supposed to be not hollow. Yeah, I mean, like, they literally, so what they do is they take this Mrs. Merriam, or they take Mrs. King's whispering statue outside, and they hear it whispering because of the wind, because she had put the um, the statue in, like, her glassed-in, like, conservatory or something, and so that's why she never heard it whisper. But once right. they take it outside and it's in the wind, they can hear it whisper. Perfect. <sighs> so once Nancy explains all this, they do this big show or whatever of this. And this is all confirmed by the art expert who is also there. This apparently is freaky enough, hearing the statue whispering, is freaky enough to get the rest of the men to confess um, to their part in all of this crime. And thankfully the police are recording it. And so they're, they're freaked out even jail. though they just heard the explanation for why the statue whispers. Yeah, but I think it's because the whispering doesn't sound like the wind. It sounds like real words. Like, it sounds like they're saying things about, No like, way. <laughs> yeah. There's still, like, a real supernatural air at the end of this book, which, honestly, I love. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's it's enough to, like, convict the men. And, like, they are so, they feel so, like, internally convicted that they just confess. Excellent. Wild. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're carted away, and then after they're gone, Mrs. King wants to keep the statue, but promises to reimburse the yacht club for their loss. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, and, and they're like all standing in the garden around the statue, and apparently they hear the statue whisper, "Thank you, Nancy Drew, for giving me back my voice." Okay. <laughs> sure <it> does. <laughs> oh. Oh, not okay. just murmurings, not just things that you can't can barely hear, but a full-on sentence of thanking Nancy. Mm-hmm. Specifically names her. Wow. Perfect. Wow. <laughs> so that was the Whispering Statue. <laughs> <laughs> what a romp! I mean, for real. How yeah. fun. I loved it. 10 it out great. of 10. <laughs> recommend. It's all so absurd. Yes. So absurd, but like in the best ways. It's like if somebody, it's like a parody of Nancy Drew almost, but it's like, it's like the person who wrote it was like, you know, I mean, Nancy Drew is wild. It's kind of wild. There's some weird stuff in there. Let's just put it all in one book. I mean, what the hell, right? Like, <laughs> why are we, you know, like, <laughs> let's do it. Let's commit. Let's I make it. George do judo and, yeah. <laughs> and nancy gets shoved into a statue and let's make them pose in paintings <laughs> like they're like they're paintings and i mean and wow. also win the yacht club race and the yeah. ping pong championship and all <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> <laughs> too good oh, too good i loved it okay what do you got <laughs> um i mean let's talk about let's talk about george oh, yeah. let's talk about the um the uh Diet horrible policing. moment yeah i'm sure y'all are probably sick of us calling this stuff out but it will never not make me irritated i'm um, sick of reading it yeah so yeah okay when the girls arrived at the yacht club it was near lunchtime and best declared she was starving i could go for a great big steak and french fries and a chocolate fudge sundae she said george looked at her cousin sternly eat all the steak you want but no french fries or sundaes how about substituting a big bowl of spinach and a grapefruit? Her cousin did not reply. She merely made a face at George. 
Straight up telling her what she's not allowed to eat. Seriously. Not just like, oh, if you eat that, you might get fat. No, this is, you're not allowed to have that. I'm telling you now. Can we talk about this too? Because first of all, Bess is 18 years old. George is not her mother. Right. (laughs) And I think it would be bad enough coming from a parent. It would not be any better. But like, what kind of ownership does George think that she has over Bess's body? That's disgusting. The hell. I hate it. Like, and Bess just doesn't say anything because what, I mean, what do you say to that? Yeah. Oh. And Bess and just then she doesn't to... go sailing with you because she doesn't like you. Yeah. <laughs> Put on Bess. Yes. Seriously. She's on vacation, staying at this very nice place that I'm sure has very nice, you know, chefs and all that in their restaurant. And it's it really is great a normal food. meal. It sounds delicious. Yeah. I, I mean, like, if I wasn't a vegetarian, I'd eat a steak and french fries and a Sunday for dessert. Yeah. <laughs> Step off, George. Acting oh. as though steak is super healthy as well. Eat it's as much okay steak as you want. To yeah. eat food that is good. It's okay yes. to eat food that you want to eat. Mm-hmm. Just it's just such a horrible message to send to little girls. That's that's the thing that kills me about it. Is like mm-hmm. I read these books when I was little, you know? And how and much like, of it did these... we internalize? Yes. How much of it because I don't remember this. I don't remember the best fat shaming. I I mean like I remember best I remember being, being a trope. silly. And I remember Bess being, like, boy crazy. I don't remember any of this. But that's what's scary about it, is that, like, if I don't remember this, then, like, that means that it's in me. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In a way that is, like, subconscious. And I am upset about it. These books are made for 8 to 12-year-olds. And I I do remember Bess being, I mean, Mm. I wouldn't have been able to, like, you know, had the... Call it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have been able to discern that actually, yeah, this is really problematic of how they're treating Bess. That's wrong. It's just like, oh, that's the thing. Bess eats too much. And that's the joke. And so that's funny. And so you do internalize it because you don't have the critical thinking Mm -hmm. skills to say like, wait a minute, this is really harmful. Bess shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. It's gross. Yep. Yep. Um, other than that, other than the best um, fat shaming, which we just can't get away from, I don't know. There wasn't anything else that like jumped out of me as being like super offensive, yeah. aside from the self tanning. <laughs> no. But um, at least she wasn't doing blackface. At least, yeah, right. It didn't sound like she was doing it to make herself look like she was another mm-hmm. race. It just sounds like she I'm was just trying to get a tan, which yeah. sure, whatever. But yeah, it was all kind of silly anyway because mm-hmm. they made it sound like the wig looked really bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine what a wig underneath the swimming cap, <laughs> yeah. like all lumpy and like I better like pulls it back from your scalp, and so it's gotta be like. Imagine removing it and the wig just comes yeah, with it and flops out on the dock does. and like Of course it does. <laughs> How could you possibly oh, oh man. Yeah. Um Yeah. Other than the absurdity of some of the uh <laughs> the moves that yeah. Nancy has to make to get out of certain situations. It's a good one. I liked it. I didn't really have oh. any other notes besides that. Oh, do you have something? One thing. Togo lives in the basement? Oh I'm yeah, sorry. I didn't like that. They like well, they you think right. he only lives there when they have guests? They they specified that when okay. there are guests over, he has to go into his little bed in the basement or his crate or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like, though, that, like, they said, Togo in his home in the basement. And I was yeah. like, um, WTF. Yeah. Not cool. Let the little dog see the sun. I know. <laughs> Let him out in the backyard, at least. Like, yeah. 
Uh, um, so. so there's that. I guess that's a little offensive to me too. But you should see some of my notes about this this book. So let's see. Um, WTF is this? How? No? What? Like WTF is actually happening? Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then let's see. Another note is what in the Scooby Doo shenanigans is this? <laughs> and then just this is insanity. Call the police. <laughs> like what's happening? Just throughout the whole book, those are my reactions. Like, what is going on? And at the very end, the end, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, my end, my ending was, what the hell? <laughs> the statue whispered a full sentence, a complete sentence. <laughs> what is this book? Um, It's a Nancy Drew mystery story. It's always thing- something crazy. I love it. So I do kind of want to talk about something else I noticed in general about Nancy's Another thing about Nancy's relationship with the police in these books, and just kind of about how it's written, is that, like, we're never really concerned about what information it is we're sharing with the police. Because Nancy goes to the police several times in this book, right? Like, she calls them to, like, report crimes and stuff. And it's always in the book as, like, written in the book as, like, Nancy you know, discuss this with the police or Nancy reported this to the police, but we're never really concerned with what details Nancy is actually sharing with the police, unless it's something that they're going to come back to us with more information later, like license plates, right? right? Or descriptions of men that they're looking for. Like it's only important for the story that Nancy has appropriately notified the authorities, right? Because that's what you're supposed to. It's, it's never because, um, you know, the authorities need to have this information for their investigation. It's just because that's, that's the right true. thing to do, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just so funny. And I mean, of course, it's because as the detective in the story, Nancy is going to be the one to solve the crime. So that's all that matters. But I think it's just funny to think about, like, it's not her conversations with the police that are interesting or relevant or, you know, to the story. It's just Nancy's and so doing her civic duty. Of it's just she's doing her civic duty. The authorities. Yes. Yeah. And it's almost like we know that the police aren't going to be able to solve the mystery. Oh, yeah. And so we're just not even going to focus on that. But then it's almost like, well, why include the police at all? But it's, of course, because Nancy has to be this moral paragon who follows all the rules, right? And it's a rule that you have to call the police when there's crime, <laughs> even though they're not going to be the ones to fix it. <laughs> and they're still treating her like she's, you know, Miss Know-it-all who they they can trust absolutely. She's not mm-hmm. even from this area and they're still like, oh, Nancy, yes. do you need some information? Let's no get it to her she ASAP. She wants yeah. this key that she just turned in as evidence. Let's go get it out of the locker. Like, mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, man. And it's always ridiculous, the actual information she does report to the police. Like, sometimes it feels like the most insignificant. Not that it is insignificant for the mystery, just the way that she would go tell. Like, I think that someone who could possibly be involved in something that I haven't even confirmed is an issue yet. (laughs) They drove past my house yesterday. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Like, what are they supposed to do with that information? They would laugh you out of that police station if you, like, really tried mm-hmm. to say that in real life. Like, yes, ma'am, we're right on it. We'll be on the lookout for anyone who drives past your house. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we have to tell the police because we have that's to, just what that's the right the thing detectives to do. do. Yes. Yeah. We're not sure. criminals. So no. we, we tell them about criminals. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, no, otherwise, I mean, like, 10 out of 10. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I, I mean, well, maybe not. I, okay. 
any other any other things you want to say and then we'll score that's really all that i had um yeah yeah no, that's all just a fun romp it i is, really recommend yeah. y'all read this one i think it like it really typifies what i think a nancy drew book is yeah um i just feel like it's all the tropes are there you know mm-hmm. so i love it yeah i was gonna say secret passageway but even then we do find a hidden room in the bookstore find a so. hidden room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's too bad there wasn't like a, a hidden passageway in the yacht club or something that from like cool. the they, garden to mm-hmm. like where the whispering statue was. That would have been yeah. cool. Or that something like cool. goes out to the water, like mm-hmm. you got to like the cliffside or whatever. That would a cave, cool. like mm-hmm. a a sea cave. Yeah, oh, sea caves. <laughs> sea caves. That's another Nancy Drew trope I love. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your score yeah. then? I mean, okay, I really want to give it a five out of five. But I I don't uh, I don't think it it's not the setting I think is where it falls a little short for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being honest, like I just it's not a classic Nancy Drew setting. It's like kind of and 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 the way the places that they go aren't very well described. Yeah, and so it's kind of an amorphous setting. Like the town where they are isn't really described and they go to several different towns. So it's not super like compact. So it's not a great setting. Right. So for that, I'm going to give it like a 4.5. Okay. 4.5 flashlights. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say four and a half as well. Yeah. um, (laughs) Like I said, the whispering statue part, I felt like that was the least interesting part of the whole mystery. I wasn't really compelled by that, but I love any mystery that revolves around art or a bookstore or Mm -hmm. an art store or a gallery or something like that. And this was all of those things wrapped into one. I just, I was absolutely in love with that aspect of it. So four and a half as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think this would make a great adapted story. Oh, yes. This would make like a good I just think movie you could or... really, yeah, you could really get into this one, sink your teeth into it. There's lots of different ways you could go with it, yeah. Um, in an adaption, and you could solve the whole issue with the settings, you know, because you would get to see them. In and a so it's not a big show deal. or a movie or a game or something, mm-hmm. you'd be able to see them, so that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. You know, you just have this stellar plot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Well, should we tell them what we're going to do next time? Sure. So next time on episode 59, we are going to be covering number 17, the mystery of the brass bound trunk. Yes. Supposedly this one is a wild ride, so I'm very excited for it. I'm so pumped. I am into these wild original mystery Mm -hmm. stories, man. Oh, yes. I'm also glad I said that one. I said that one with one take. So glad that one is a real tongue twister for me. The mystery oh. of the brass bound yeah, trunk. Brown, I keep saying brown. Brown, blah, blah, blah. I get my my bees mm-hmm. jumbled. So that'll be fun next episode. So we'll see you then, regular Drews. We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Regular Nancy Drew. Email us at regularnancydrew at gmail.com. If you like this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at regularnancydrew and Twitter at regularnd. You can also support us on Patreon. Patrons at the $3 level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our Scoop Sesh series. And all patrons receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content. And to all you regular Drews out there, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.